that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? How can a person come to know God? Exactly what is the starting point when it comes to knowing God? Would you, if that was your desire, would you join a church? Would you read your Bible? Would you ask another religious person about God? Now, the answer is no to all of the above. No, if you want to know God, there is a starting point. And it's not joining a church. It's not reading your Bible necessarily. In other words, there's a lot you can do before you ever open the book in understanding and knowing God. So it's not reading your Bible, that's not the starting point, and it surely isn't asking some religious person or friend that you have about God. What is the starting point if you want to know God? The starting point is communication with God. And so what I want to talk about today is prayer, the subject of prayer, because that it is, you know, a lot of people would say, well, prayer, everybody knows how to pray. Really? Uh, don't be so sure about that. But prayer communication is the starting point if you want to know God. Now, I understand that the Bible says, no man, Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draw him. So, I understand that, that God has to initiate. God has to create that starting point. But having said that, I believe every person has been given the right to pray. And that right has been given to him from God. Every person has the right to communicate to God. And so the starting point is communication, if you want to know God. Now you would think, okay, it's hard, it would be hard to screw this up, right? I mean, surely no one would mess up prayer. Surely no religious people would, no church would mess the subject of prayer up. I mean, how can you mess it up? Well, truth of the matter is, people, religious people do it all the time. The very thing Jesus said don't do on the subject of prayer is exactly what churches and religious people are doing. Let me give you an example. Matthew 6 and verse 7. Jesus said, But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Okay, we're talking about the subject of prayer, right? And we're not going to mess this up, right? Surely no re religious people mess this subject up. The subject of prayer, communicating with God. All right, let's take a look at it. Matthew 6 and verse 9, Jesus said, After this manner, therefore, pray you. Okay, I'm going to read it sort of like you hear it in church. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us not our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. How many times have you heard that vain repetition in church? Well, it's referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And you hear it over and over again. If you've been in church five minutes, you've probably heard this before. 
It is exactly what Christ said don't do. Vain repetition. Okay. Now what this actually is, is an outline for prayer. What Jesus has given his disciples is an outline for prayer. And I want to look at this, but before I do, I want to give you David Freeman's fundamentals about prayer. Okay. Number one thing you got to understand. The first thing you got to understand about prayer when you communicate to God is this. Number one, it's not about you. It's not about you. You remember that country western song, I want to talk about me, what I like, what I want, what I see? Yeah. It's about, I mean, how many people have you ever met who can't shut up? They can't stop talking. It's as if they love the sound of their voice. And they talk about me, they talk about themselves, they talk about their family, their children, what they're doing, their work, and all of the, and it just, and your eyes start to spin around like this, and you gaze, over, and your mind, like a, a, a pinball machine, goes tilt, and you just phase that person completely out. And you're thinking to yourself, when is this person going to shut up? I mean, they just can't can it? They can't shut it off. They can't quit talking. I'm convinced that a lot of people are in love with the sound of their voice. It's like it must put them in a trance or something. Well, it puts me in a trance. I can guarantee you that. I nearly want to fall asleep. I'm ready to kill this person because they just won't quit. They won't shut up and they won't stop talking about themselves and what they're doing and what they like and what they see and their family and their children and with their husband, their wife, they're just, they're just on and on and on and on and on. Okay, God, here's my point. God is not your sounding board. God is not your talking board. First fundamental rule by me, David Freeman, is it's not about you when you go to God in prayer. It's not about you. So get over you, okay? Get over yourself if you really want to communicate with God. All right. Psalms 15, verse 10. I love this. He says, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Now, God is speaking here. He says, for I know all the fowls of the mountain and the wild beasts of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Oh, I love that. God says, look, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even trouble you. I wouldn't tell you. Now, listen to me. Listen closely. God doesn't need anything from you. God doesn't need your adoration. God doesn't need your love. God doesn't need your feelings, your emotions. God surely doesn't need your money because if he was hungry, he wouldn't tell you. And God doesn't need your affections. Now, there is one thing God wants from you, but it's not what you think. And I'll tell you what that is at the end of this program, what God wants from you, what God needs from you, what God desires from you. Okay, all right. God is just not that concerned with our petty, mundane, irrelevant existence, okay? God, yes, God has an agenda. God has a will. God has a plan that he is working out here below right now. The only thing God is really concerned about is you getting in line to his will. That's the only thing God is really concerned about. So, you know, too often we try to make God fit into our overextended 
busy lives, you know. Well, God, I think I have a little bit of room for you right over here. You may have to stand up. Uh, you may have to raise your left arm and stand on one foot. And, and, you know, and I can place you right over here in a little slither of my life, you know, over there in the box, you know, sort of in the corner, you know. And, you know, that, that's all the time I really have. And I think you'll fit right there. Listen, rule number one in communicating with God. It's not about you. So if you're going to communicate with God, you got to get over you. All right. Second, fundamental rule for prayer. God doesn't care about your religion. Second rule, God does not care. He doesn't care if you're a Baptist, a Catholic, a Protestant, a, a Church of the Brethren. He does not care about your religion, so stop bringing it up, okay? God is not turned on by candles, smoking candles, candle wax, incense, uh, smoke, beads. God's not concerned about that. God is not concerned about how long you've been attending church. He's not concerned about how faithful you've been in attending your church service. Basically, all that tells me is you've been, you know, if you've been in church for 40 years, well, you've just had 40 years of brainwashing by men who came out of the cemetery school. Did I say cemetery school? I meant seminary school. All right. All right. God is not concerned about the cross that you're wearing around your neck. He's not concerned about uh, your collar, robes that, that people wear, your collar around backwards, tassels, funny hats. He's not concern, concerned about the facade. Listen, when God looks at you, God sees us naked. Imagine that. Or maybe you don't want to imagine that. Uh, but that's how God sees you. That's how God, he sees us naked. There is no facade. You can't pull the wool over God's eye by some kind of facade that you're wearing. So, so God, point number two in communicating with God is God doesn't care about your religion. So don't bring it up. All right. Three, third point about communicating with God, prayer. God is not of this world. God is not of this world. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 2 says this. It says, Be not rash with your mouth, and let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and you are upon the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. You know, so often our prayers are filled with requests about the things of this world. Okay? That's all we have to talk about. Listen, God is not of this world. He's in heaven. You're down here. So what do we pray about? How do we pray? How do we communicate to God? All right, let's go through this. There's a few things here. Matthew 6 and verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, God is holy. And you address him as holy. God's holy, I'm not. So I, I say, God, holy be thy name. You are holy. I'm coming before a holy God. And I'm vile and filthy and all those, you know, but, but I'm coming before, you know, hallowed be thy name. God is holy. Okay. Next, verse 10. Matthew 6 and verse 10. Thy kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, what we are to pray for is for God's kingdom to come to this earth. 
Again, I said God has an agenda. God has a will. God has a purpose. Jesus Christ, and many people don't know this, Jesus Christ came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. It was a specific gospel Jesus came preaching. And that, that gospel was about the soon coming government kingdom of God on this earth. Christ is going to return. And he's going to establish his government on this earth. Again, God has an agenda. God has a will. God has a plan that he's working out. And again, the only thing God is really concerned about is that you get in line to his will. The kingdom of God is coming to a store near you. It's coming to a world near you. It's coming to good old planet Earth. And you can be a part of it. And you can be a part of it. Now let's notice this, Acts 3 and verse 19. It says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Hmm, that's interesting. It says, Repent and be converted. Two things. Not only just repent, not just acceptance, not just, oh, Jesus, I love you. It says, repent and be converted. Converted means to turn your life around. It means to make a U-turn, go in the other direction. And this says, repent and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. So you can't just say, I love you, Jesus, and your sins get blotted out. You can't just repent and your sins be blotted out. You've got to repent and be converted, turn your life around by the power of God's grace, once you receive the Holy Spirit of God. Now, it's only possible once you receive the Spirit of God, but once you receive it, you've got to repent and turn it around. Okay, let's read it again. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. What is this time of refreshing? Well, it tells us what it is. It is when Christ returns. When it says, when he shall come from the presence it is the presence of God. This is a reference. This time of refreshing is going to come when Jesus returns to this earth. Verse 20. And he shall send Jesus, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things. What is this time of restitution of all things? What it's talking about, the government, the kingdom of God. The heavens must receive him. In other words, he would be missing for, from this earth for 2,000 years, and then he's going to return. And, this, and it talks about the times of restitution of all things. The restoration of the government, the kingdom of God on this earth. Let's continue on here. Which God has spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. Listen, the holy prophets were not ignorant of this soon coming kingdom of God, like so many people are today. You ask people today, what's the kingdom of God? They are totally ignorant of what it is. It's like, well, the kingdom is within you. You just enter. You just feel it. You know, it's, it nonsense. People think it's the kingdom of heaven. Listen, a kingdom is it. A kingdom requires four things to have a kingdom. Number one, it requires a king. Well, you know who that is, don't you? It's Jesus Christ, king of kings, lord of lords. Okay, first thing you got to have to have a kingdom is a king. Second thing you got to have is territory. Territory. Third, where's the territory? It's planet Earth. That's where Christ is going to return to. Third thing you got to have is subjects, people. You got to have someone to rule over, right? Of course. The subjects are the people on this Earth. 
who are going to have to be ruled with a rod of iron. What am I talking about? Revelation 2 and verse 26. And he that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and the, uh, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father. Now look at it. You're going to rule with a rod of iron when Christ returns. If you are one of the elect, if you're one that God has called to be a part of this kingdom. Now think about it. Think about the mafia. Think about organized crime. Think about the promoters of pornography. Think about all the rotten, evil filth that is in the world, the sex trafficking and all the nasty stuff that goes on. How are you going to deal with these people? Answer, rod of iron. If we can understand, if we could understand the corruption that goes on in any one given area, you would be amazed by the corruption that is going on. I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. everywhere. Now, imagine if you had the power to stop it. Listen, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. Imagine if you had the power to stop it. We're talking about you having power to stop, to put an end to evil. You know, there are some people, the only thing they understand is a two before across the head. They, you can't necessarily show them a better way. You have to first get their attention. Listen, what about this verse don't you understand? Revelation 2 and verse 26. And he that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. What, what don't you get about that statement? We're talking about the government, the soon coming kingdom of God, and your part in it. Now, I will say this, what qualifies you to do this is you have to, you have to first overcome the evil within, okay? Talking about you and your personal relationship with God. But make no mistake about it. It says, he that overcometh and keeps my works, to him will I give power over the nation, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now, when I talk about prayer, there's a lot of, of the irrelevant stuff you could talk about. But Jesus said, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come. A kingdom has four things. One, a king. Two, territory. Planet Earth. Listen, heaven, heaven doesn't need fixing. The problems are right here. The problems are not up in heaven. This is where all the problems exist. Christ is returning. So the territory is planet Earth because it needs fixing. The subjects are people. And fourth thing you got to have to have a kingdom is laws. Yes, the law of God. That stuff, you know, the law, the thing that a lot of religious people don't like. Oh, it's been nailed to the cross. It's been done away with. It's been fulfilled. We're not under the law. Oh, we keep it in our heart. But we don't really literally keep it. What kind of hogwash is that? What kind of double talk is that? You either keep it or you don't keep it. The law of God, the Ten Commandments, including the fourth. Okay, Daniel 7 and verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. I, taught, I said the holy prophets understood the message of the soon coming kingdom of God. And here's Daniel talking about it. It says the kingdom shall be given to the people of the saints, the saints of the Most High. And it's an everlasting kingdom. And all dominions shall serve him. 
And some of those dominions, it's going to take a rod of iron. It's going to take a two before across the head to get their attention. Now, I want to offer you something here entitled The Coming Utopia. Your training future leaders, your part in this soon coming kingdom of God. If you've never heard this message, you need to order this material. It's free of charge. I'll send it to you free of charge. But this is powerful information. The coming utopia, the government of God that is coming more than likely in your lifetime. You need this information. Order it. It's free of charge. <clears throat> okay. In order to communicate with God, you have to get on his wavelength. God has an agenda. God has a will. God has a plan that he's working out here. And the only thing God is really concerned about is that you get in line to his will. Jesus is going to return to set up his government on this earth. Now, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he prayed for his disciples. And I want to look at this because this is what I call the real Lord's Prayer. And we can gain much insight on how to pray by what Jesus said to his disciples on this very night. In John 17 and verse 9, he said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given, given me, for they are yours. He's speaking to the Father, and he says, look, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Now, as I said, that's a fascinating statement. Christ is praying for his elect his called out one, his chosen, his disciples. And he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. As I said, Christ has an agenda. The world has its own agenda. If we could, what is the world's agenda? Which is in contrast to God's agenda, by the way. What's the world's agenda? Well, it goes something like that. Well, if we could just get the right man in the White House, we can turn this nation around. Well, a lot of man thought, the person, a lot of people thought the person we got now in the White House could turn this nation around. And I agree, he has turned it around into a socialistic, communist form of government. But what else would you expect from a Muslim? Okay, yeah, it's, he's changed it all right to the worse. But, but, but this is the world's view. You know, if we can just get our man in the White House. And these people, be it Democrat or Republican, they're all sincere. I'll give them credit there. They are sincere. But uh, it's the illusion that we can just fix everything ourselves. The world has its educational system. Colleges that teach you there is no God. Public school, same comment. Um, the world has its entertainment, which is a bunch of garbage that Hollywood turns out. The world has its religious institution that teaches you a pack of lies, such as uh, the, war, the reward of the saved is heavenly retirement. That's what it's all about, retiring. Teaches you the law has been abolished, been fulfilled, been done away with. Jesus kept the law so that you don't have to. Pack of lies. Pack of lies. You've been lied to about the Bible. <clears throat> Jesus said, I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me. God has always had his favorites. God has always played favorites. God has always made a distinction when it comes to people. And there's a lot of people in the world, and Jesus said, I pray not for the world, but I pray for them that you have given me. Are you one of those people that God is calling? That God is opening your mind to receive his truth about this soon coming government of God that you can have a part of? How will God solve all the problems? Well, I'm telling you how. 
You need to order that, the coming utopia. <clears throat> John 17 and verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. What keeps you from knowing God? What, why, why are your prayers not heard or answered? Let me give you the answer. You're too worldly. That's why. You're too, you can't get past the world. I am not of this world. And neither are they. Jesus said, I'm not of this world, and neither are they. John 17, verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Listen, if you can point to the word of God and say, this is why I do what I do, then you're okay. You're okay. Okay, so how to pray, how to communicate to God. Several things I want to conclude with. One, it's not about you. Two, God doesn't care about your religion. Three, God is not of this world. Four, God has an agenda, and it's about the soon-coming government of God on this earth. And if we can get in line with God's agenda, what God is doing, you know, your prayers will be heard, and your prayers will be answered. But you have to get on His wavelength. You have to get on His wavelength. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this program, there is one thing God wants from you. I mentioned God doesn't need your love. He doesn't need your adoration. He doesn't need your emotions. He doesn't need your money. You know, if God was hungry, He wouldn't call you, wouldn't call me. But there is one thing God wants from, from you. And when you pray, it's critical that you understand what I'm about to tell you. It's Matthew 9 and verse 38. Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So when you pray, when you pray, if you want to get God's attention, and that's the key issue, if you want to get God's attention, you ask a question, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Man has the intellectual capacity to design spaceships to take him to the moon and back, to invent the computer, and to do other marvelous exploits in the physical, material realm. Yet during man's nearly 6,000 years on Earth, he has proved that he cannot solve his problems with fellow men. Through the ages, man has tried to bring about a utopian paradise by every conceivable means, yet without success. He has attempted to live by every imaginable type of government. He has even tried living without any government at all. Absolute anarchy. All of them have failed miserably. Why has this been so? Jesus Christ is going to return to set up his kingdom on this earth. And right now, God is in the process of training future leaders that will teach true education. But what is true education? Find out by ordering The Coming Utopia. In this publication, you will learn of God's system for re-educating society. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.